You're listening to the Healing Birth with Carla podcast, and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. For the past decade, I've been working in the field of birth trauma support and education, utilizing my background in midwifery and teaching, and putting my passion for story sharing to good use. This podcast seeks to dispel common myths surrounding birth trauma and what it takes to heal. Each week, we'll be spending an insightful and inspiring hour together, listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birth keepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. But before we grace your ears with today's episode, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you're inspired to heal with me, or to train with me, or if you have a healing story that you'd like to share on my podcast, reach out to me via my website healingbirth.co.nz. In this episode, I interview Mika, a Canadian mother of two whose Instagram page, Take Your Birth by Storm, captured my attention and sparked a desire to dive a little deeper with her. After training as a birth doula, Mika went on to birth her first baby at home with a midwife in attendance. Her second birth ended up being a free birth. She shares with us why this was the path she chose and how this ultimately led to her becoming a free and autonomous birth advocate. Mika shares her love for birth story podcasts and how they were her greatest source of information and inspiration. She offers ways to prepare for a free birth, including how to get in tune with your body and intuition. She speaks on the topics of radical self-responsibility and shadow work. And we discuss questions to ask when interviewing potential maternity care providers. Check out Mika's Instagram profile page to find links to some great free resources. But for now, sit back and enjoy our conversation. Hi Mika, welcome to my podcast. It's really awesome to have you here and uh, joining us all the way from Canada. <laughs> um, let's just have you share a bit about yourself to uh, let the listeners know who you are and why I have contacted you to ask if you'll be on the podcast. Hi, cool. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Um, yeah, uh, my name's Mika and uh, I am super into autonomous birth stuff. Um, I was a, I'm I guess I'm still kind of a doula. I'm not practicing right now, but um, I started doula stuff around six years ago before my first was born. I was actually pregnant in the time of like my first few births I witnessed with people. And then, um, yeah, sort of moving forward, I was expecting another one and there was no home births offered in my town anymore um, by midwives. So I chose to go the rebirth route and yeah I've been learning so much ever since it's been really really eye-opening and cool and um yeah last summer I decided to start my own Instagram like a birth Instagram page instead of just posting so much on my personal page <laughs> decided to separate it so my Instagram is take your birth by storm and yeah it's just been fun to have like an outlet and I've kind of jumped into the sort of like 
education role more about like normal normal birth and what it can be and um yeah kind of like the truth about you know obstetric violence happening within the system so much and all of that stuff it's been a really interesting journey and I'm just happy I can share it with people and find like-minded people like you and others to talk to about it so thank you for having me (laughs) yeah thank you I mean that's how I came across you was through your Instagram page and I loved the messaging that you had on there uh, and it felt really aligned so um so yeah, I'm looking forward to you sharing a bit more about free birth and uh, and what that's all about. Um, it's been coming up a bit in, in some of the stories that I've had people um, share on the podcast. So I've had a few interviews with people now who have um, chosen to free birth. And uh, it's just, you know, like I had not heard of, of free birth until really quite recently. I didn't even know what the term meant until about a year ago. You know, I had never heard the terms wild pregnancy and free birth. And then suddenly it just feels like it's everywhere. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's because of the circles I'm in. But um, but it's definitely becoming a, um, a more common uh, Thing that people are seeking out and especially when they've experienced um, trauma at the hands of the medical system uh, so a lot of people who are pregnant again after they've experienced a traumatic birth and uh, um, they know that they need to um, stay away <laughs> as much as they can from that uh, that system of of care and I want to put that in inverted commas um that really really let them down in their in their first birth experience so um you know mostly over here in New Zealand that looks like planning a birth outside the hospital which uh, um but usually under um midwifery care uh but yeah like I say I am hearing more and more stories of free birth even over here in New Zealand where home birth is a lot more accessible so um so yeah we'll hear all about your I guess philosophies and ideas around free birth your experiences but let's just start off with you sharing about your birthing history your I know you've got two children um and they were both quite different birth experiences so yeah let's hear about those okay cool yeah um I'll try and keep it short version I did another podcast with the normal boring free birth that goes into like more details and stuff so if anyone wants more details they can listen to that one um so I'll keep it kind of short for this but yeah my first one um he'll be six in October and yeah I was I was just newly pregnant when I was starting to um yeah attend births as a doula um they were all kind of the, the first couple were for people I didn't know very well, but the, the next one was someone I knew. Anyways, um, yeah, so I knew I wanted a home birth and the midwives at that time, I kind of knew them personally as well. So it was kind of nice to have that familiarity with them. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, my first was definitely, he was, he came early. He was at like 36 weeks. So that was, it was a little bit shocking to go into that having it be so sudden like it and it happened you know a little bit 
not the usual way that they say it does. Like the water broke, no contractions, induced myself with castor oil. And then it was like a steam train of like three and a half hours and he was out. So like, I feel lucky that it was like very not complicated, even with the castor oil. So yeah, I feel lucky. And it was amazing. Like after that, I, I had that like high of like, oh my God, I can do anything. Like this is incredible. Like, yeah, I'm I'm very, I feel very fortunate that like nothing, you know, traumatic or anything happened in that first rare because a lot of people it can, like a lot of, a lot of people have stories of that happening. So, so yeah, anyways, that was my first one and it was great. We had some like breastfeeding issues because he was so early um he had jaundice pretty badly like he he had he was like falling asleep a lot and stuff so we had to do like the billy rubin lights and everything which was very hard i think i found it quite hard to be going like from this amazing like home birth situation to like into the hospital and like staying in the hospital and like feeling i don't know i feel so much for nicu moms and stuff because even just being there like right beside him and not having things strapped to him, it felt like it's not your baby anymore, right? Like it's just like such a weird, yeah, it was really tough. Anyway, so we had to do that twice in a row, but um, yeah, then he was fine. We, he chunked up and we ended up doing like a three month road trip to Mexico when he was like two months old. So it was wow. amazing. Yeah, it was, it definitely was a turnaround. So it was great. Um, yeah, and then my second one, yeah, he, um, I had been doing, I've been like witnessing more births and doulaing within the system, of course, um, during those years, but they're four years apart. Um, so yeah, I had been to a few more, mostly for like family, friends and family and stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it, I don't know, every time I did a hospital birth and I, I didn't do many, I did maybe like four or three or four, which is nothing but still every time I'd feel just so like afterwards and I didn't really have the language for it or like why I just was like oh man like I don't want to do one of those again but I thought I had to because you know being a good little doula you gotta help everyone which I I still agree with like it obviously you want to help people but anyway um yeah I just knew it again it wasn't for me so once I found out I was pregnant again, I I knew the there was still a midwifery practice here. It had kind of dissolved into just one midwife in the practice. And then there was another midwife with her own practice. They kind of helped each other. The one of them did not offer home, she was just a hospital birth midwife. And the one that did home births and stuff, she kind of burnt out and it just kind of it fizzled out she yeah um it was a huge burnout that happened so she ended up not being able to offer her services anymore so it was just all on the other midwife who was only doing hospital births yeah so um I made an appointment with her again I had I had met her like around town and stuff and I just I asked her like so is there any chance of you like offering home birth like in nine-ish months like is there anything is there any point or like way of that happening and she kind of just said they she was working on it but at the time no not at all so I was like well okay then <laughs> like I'm not coming in so I guess I'm just doing this at home so I was really mad at first 
which I think fueled me to find things out, which I'm glad about now. So I, um, in terms of like free birth and stuff, like learning that term, even it was interesting. There was a doula here in my town that um, I had met like a few years before and she had actually free birthed her son on um, one of the islands off of our town. Um, and like, I remember her telling me about it years ago because we had all the doulas in town had kind of met up and she was like, she was always saying like, oh, well, if anyone wants to do like an unassisted birth with no midwives, like I'm totally good with being that person. At that time I was like, whoa, like that is so scary. How that freaks me out. Like good for you, but I could never do that. You know, <laughs> like I was so, yeah, it was a scary thing to think about. Um, but anyway, I got a hold of her <laughs> and she had actually done an interview with the Free Birth Society about her birth. So I asked her to point me in the direction of that. So I listened to her story and that is kind of what sparked everything. It was really cool. I just couldn't stop listening to birth stories. Like that was, that was my main form of education was like just story after story, like on repeat, like chain smoking birth stories, <laughs> like <laughs> free birth stories mostly like one would end, I'd be like, okay, next one, like, and let's find more like podcasts and stuff. So that was, that was huge for me. And um, that's kind of how I learn anyways, is, you know, through interesting stories. And then I also found tons of really amazing Instagram accounts too. Like, I didn't feel like I had the means to pay for, you know, training or courses and stuff like that. I wanted to just sort of put in the time and the effort rather than pay big money which I didn't have at the time to like learn things but I think that was also good for me because it it puts intent behind it too like instead of just doing something because you paid you're doing something because you want to and you have curiosity and stuff so that was kind of my drive for it and I really loved it it was so cool but yeah and then when the time came for birth oh yeah and I had been doing the regular like check like prenatal appointments with the midwives here by the time I was due there was two midwives but um yeah still just hospital birth offering so yeah I kind of um was still doing prenatal appointments there like each month and then I was due like early November-ish and by like mid-October I was like you know what I'm kind of done <laughs> like doing these I didn't do any testing other than like the first round of blood tests because I was like why no this is just oh yeah and I did the I did do like the 20 week ultrasound because in Canada they they do like the first dating ultrasound they offer that well, offer in quotation marks offering everything um and then a 20 week ish one for like the anatomy scan and then they only suggest more ultrasounds if something gets picked up of course so Anyways, I did that and that was the last thing I did. I was like, no to any other testing. And then, yeah, like a um, few weeks before I actually had my second, um, I was just like, yeah, I'm done. I'll talk to you guys when this is all over. <laughs> like, see ya. Because <laughs> like, every, I don't know, every appointment, it seemed like they were nice and they weren't like scare tacticing me at all, which was also kind of surprising because there was another person who was planning a free birth as well and she was getting different sides to them it was weird so yeah um but they they were honestly kind of 
supportive in that they could, you know, I could call them if I needed anything, like whatever. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, so labor with my second was really cool. It was like um, my first son had gone for a sleepover that night. I think I had started losing my mucus plug a bit like that day, but I didn't really want to like read too much into it. And um, yeah, I, it was around four-ish in the morning and I woke up and I felt like really like quick, like really like, sorry, not quick, short, short little bursts of like contraction pain. They were like 10 seconds long. And so I was like noticing them. And then I was like, well, I'll just try and sleep. And then what happens happens. So I did fall back asleep and then around like seven or eight or something, I woke up again and noticed them happening. I don't know if they had stopped or whatever, um, but they were happening again. And uh, I laid in bed for like an hour or so. And I then I just curi out of curiosity, I decided to time them and I, they were about five-ish minutes apart. So, but still like very like short, um, like 10 seconds, 10 to 20 seconds or so. Um, yeah, I sort of told my partner, it was so nice and chill. It was like opposite of the last one because I feel like my adrenaline was really high the first time because it was so surprising. And I had just ended mat leave that day with my first birth experience so, or started mat leave. Um, so anyways, this was so nice and relaxing. I didn't feel like panicked, like I had to call anyone. I could just sort of, yeah hang out and do my thing and my mom was so great like I told her I might be in early labor so she was fine keeping our oldest um I hadn't really decided if I wanted him there or not so I at that point I didn't really yet um anyway yeah so I just kind of chilled upstairs my partner was downstairs doing music stuff and then at a certain point I got him to start filling the bath because we have this huge like soaker bathtub that I was like yep that's the spot <laughs> I definitely want to go in there because I wanted a water birth with my first but it just didn't it didn't happen we didn't have the pool we didn't yeah it was just too fast but um yeah so we got the bath ready I actually did call a really good friend of mine um whose births I had been at and she had always been interested in doula stuff too so I told her like if she wanted to come she was welcome to so um yeah I let her know and and she drove she drove over and came in and it was just it was really cool it was just such a different energy that was just so cool because it just didn't feel like an ounce of panic at all like it was just really nice um yeah she sort of I like had some fruit I was in the bath we were like chatting and then like at a certain point I kind of just like like I would disappear in contractions and then come back and then at a certain point I like just wasn't coming back anymore <laughs> for a conversation so um yeah her and my partner kind of just like I think my eyes were closed most of the time but they were just kind of near me and I could feel them touching my back sometimes and like giving me cold cloths and I was getting a bit louder and stuff and then um yeah the pushing started and my water broke and baby just came out it was cool and it yeah it was so cool I just can't stop saying that <laughs> like like feeling his head there like it was just nuts and then like catching him and bringing him up myself it was just yeah I didn't think you know what I have to say like I actually think it was kind of healing for like how I 
like felt about our first birth like between me and my partner it was so like fast and there's so much adrenaline and like not panic but it was just like we were not expecting a month early baby together so anyway he was also kind of like on the sidelines the first time like I had a, my doula there and the midwife and like our bathroom was tiny and all this stuff so I was like the first time I was pushing and I was like where is he like get him in here because I think he just you know he wasn't sure where to be it was the first time anyway so this time was really cool because he was right there you know I looking back at the pictures I didn't really notice at the time but his hand was like on me the whole time it was just so it was so cool to see that and um yeah have him right there and then yeah baby came out and yeah it was just really cool to have that calm time and just hang out in the bath came out delivered my placenta into a bowl and then yeah kind of just hung out for the rest of the evening I called the midwife um to let them know because at that point I had wanted um I got the the oral vitamin K I still hadn't done enough research about vitamin K at that point so I still at that point decided to do it um but we forgot about the oral so the midwife came over a few hours later and did the little you know, um, checkup thing and gave him his vitamin K and stuff. And then she left and yeah, it was just really chill evening. So that's that. And then he, he still had some trouble breastfeeding, um, because he had a major lip tie. I know now looking back at the time, it wasn't like thought about by anyone, but, uh, yeah, we got through it and it's all good, but yeah. So that's kind of my story summed up. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Um, and especially hearing about, you know, though you, the, your first birth wasn't traumatic, that there was still this this healing that took place in regards to your second birth being more of an intimate family affair, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely. Dad didn't feel sort of sidelined. He, his role was he was number one support because it sounds like your doula friend was taking photos you said you had images yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think um I I had asked her to like maybe take a video and take some photos and um when I had started pushing again I didn't notice this but um my friend was like it was actually really funny because we both had one hand on you and then we were leaned back really far because each of us had our video like our our phones on videoing you so there was like one hand on you and one hand far back like anyway, <laughs> yeah it was so funny so they both got some really amazing like photos and stuff which was really cool but yeah yeah it was pretty I awesome I I cannot get enough of watching my own birth videos and looking at the images and you're nodding your head with a big grin on your <laughs> face as well. Like I say this to people all the time in my, in my work when they are planning a next birth after, you know, having experienced a traumatic first birth. And we talk about preparing for this birth as the celebration that it is. And rather than it just being, because for a lot of people who have experienced a traumatic birth, their next birth, they have this idea that it just has to not be what that first one was. And I'm like, it would be great if we could do enough of this work together for you to get to a place where you're actually looking forward 
uh, you know, there may be um, and there will be uh, likely be quite a lot of fear there. Um, that's the body trying to protect itself from re-experiencing trauma, but 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 also an element of excitement, like I can do this. And like, let's look to this birth as the celebration that it is. And I offer some ideas around how to do that. And one of them is, look, are there any other big celebratory events in your lifetime that you don't capture on camera? <laughs> And and how often do you go back and look at those photos and like relive that amazing moment? Um, like let's anticipate that your birth is going to be that amazing moment that it's it's designed to be. Um, and you can you can get rid of photos if you don't like them afterwards, you know, but you can't go back and reget them. <laughs> so it's something I always encourage people to to really strongly consider is. Um, you know, having somebody responsible for um, getting some footage or photos of of the birth. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. I love how you said that too. Because yeah, yeah, like the fear around not wanting it to be like the last time. It's so. I mean, yeah, like you said, normal and protective and stuff. But it's it's possible to like get through that kind of, and maybe still not entirely overcome it, but like also know that it's not going to be like it. There's no way it can be exactly the same ever. There's no way things can repeat themselves identically. So, but yeah, that's cool. And yeah, the photo thing, I think there's definitely some people who like from the stories I've heard, like they, they, they feel, you know, if they're being, if they know they're being videoed, it can kind of mess with them sometimes. But again, that's a very subjective thing, but I agree. I think having, I love having the photos. It was really, I, I wish I had more of my first time because they're all like blurry and like very few of my first time. So, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I was just thinking then even about the, the last birth I attended, which was my beautiful friend who was having a, a home birth after two cesareans that she had sort of, you know, like her, her older two are teenagers now. Um, and and I was going to be there with her as a, you know, support person. Um, and I videoed her birth on my phone as, as requested. Uh, and it, it's only recently, you know, baby's six months old now. It's only recently that I managed to get the footage off the phone and onto like, a, a, like into a form that I could share with her. Um, but man, the number of times that I watched pieces of that video after her birth and it wasn't even my own birth but just wanting to relive that you know experience because fuck birth is powerful and beautiful and just so incredible and yeah so even as somebody who's witnessed a lot of births in my lifetime and I'm forever you know talking about birth and it, yeah like I said it wasn't my own birth I still get such a buzz out of witnessing people and their power and um, birthing their way, you know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned earlier, um, and gosh, it's it struck such a chord with me as well um, that a lot of your preparation for your free birth was reading or hearing stories. So listening to the Free Birth Society uh, podcast, they have so many amazing stories on there, uh, and. Um, and that that was how how the majority of your learning came about was through hearing other people's stories, and I am just so uh, yeah in love with this uh, concept of the shared story as being such a beautiful and potent way to 
learn, um, to heal, to, uh, to you know, um, support community, all these things, whether you're sharing your story or hearing other people's stories. I just, I love that way of learning. Um, and, but are there, yeah, for listeners who are maybe going, uh, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of free birth, what do I need to do to prepare for that? What would you say are some important, you know, preparation, I guess, ideas or tools? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like my first, like, um, form of advice is always to just like, start listening to stories. Because <laughs> that, but also like, know what kind of learning works for you, I think, too, like, maybe you do, or you do learn better, like when you take a course, and you have like, modules to get through and stuff, or maybe, I don't know, what is it like reading books or something like, I think, figuring out how you best retain information and and I feel like there's definitely like an emotional aspect to it too like you have to have it doesn't have it can't feel like homework you know like if you're not interested in it then it might not be for you I don't know I feel like it's a complete like mindset thing I think any body can do it any body can can birth unless there's some sort of traumatic injury that happened or something like but I don't, I don't know if every mind is willing to get there, you know, I mean, that might be answering a different question, but um, I think to start preparing for it is just keeping an open mind and realizing that there's so much like underlaying conditioning of what we're told birth is like from every angle in any kind of media in like stories. I mean, Hopefully you have family and friends who have positive birth stories, but I think also learning the language too of like speaking in an autonomous way. So instead of saying like, I had to do this, it was like a choice, right? Like everything, I think that like developing your personal autonomy is huge, <laughs> like as you're learning. And I think you will, especially you know, when you listen to stories or, or are in that sort of circle of a mindset, um, you know, your brain starts to think that way. I think that's kind of cool for kind of like re, um, you know, developing different pathways in your mind to think about it in a more autonomous way is huge as well. Um, and then, yeah, like another thing that if, you know, I didn't make this up. It's, it's a, it's a thing like you got to be willing to accept like full responsibility for yourself like that's huge like it's yeah and like whether you are birthing in the system or out of it and like acknowledging that you're always responsible for yourself or not it doesn't change the fact that you are mm. responsible for yourself and your baby so like you know that fact doesn't change but I think coming to the realization that like you have power over it is huge. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think people do uh, realize that, that, that fact that you are responsible for your body, your birth, your baby, uh, you know, especially you, you talked a bit about conditioning and this is in my mind that the key piece to, um 
getting started on the path to you know sovereign birthing is first of all noticing first of all seeing things as they are because we're conditioning is uh such that we are often not aware of uh, you know what's taken place that's the nature of being conditioned is that things become normalized to the point where you don't question them or you don't even think about them it's just how it is um so first becoming mindful and you said like language is a good example you know noticing when you're saying things like you know oh they told me I wasn't allowed to or I had to such and such um going oh hey I I know I've heard it enough I know that I have the right to choose and yet here I am um yeah so so I I'm so with you on like that being such a core piece um, of the work that we need to do um, around taking responsibility for the decision making um, that around our pregnancies, our births, our parenting journey, our lives in general, right? Um, and I want to talk more about that you know, radical responsibility with you in a minute, but I do still want to stick with the the previous question for a bit longer. Um, but just on that, on that, in that same vein, um, I think it's interesting how it, our conditioning is such that we we think that responsible parenting is uh, doing what the the midwives or the doctors tell us to do you know being a responsible pregnant person is um following those obstetric guidelines is doing you know having those tests and procedures to check everything's safe and okay and uh and just sort of blindly doing what the authorities are telling us is best what us and our bodies like you know we have been conditioned to believe that they know more about our bodies than we do or that they are the best ones to be deciding what's the safest route for us so that's a lot of conditioning to unpack right there but if we think about it from the moment we become pregnant we are we are this the people who are responsible for that, that little being until they uh, come of age you know and are able to make decisions for themselves as is you know young adults um and whilst so many of us unwittingly hand over all of our power and responsibility during the pregnancy and birth you know like I don't know what how long you have kind of postnatal care for in the states but in New Zealand it's four to six weeks postpartum that the midwife does the visits and that sort of thing but then you're left, you're on your own. You're the one who's making all the decisions for your child. You're the one who's having to decide, you know, whether you bed share with them, whether you breastfeed, how long you breastfeed for, um, when you want to start solids, like how you're going to go about that, whether they're going to go to school or not, what school. Um, like these, I mean, these are a, a, a small handful of the millions of decisions that we make on behalf of this other little being because that is our responsibility so um so yeah when you when you go well hang on like you know we need to start practicing making decisions on behalf of our child right from the get-go preferably before conception even but you know 
might be a step too far for a lot of us. Um, but start practicing that in, in pregnancy. Yeah. 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 Hey podcast listener, I'd love a moment of your time to briefly share with you about my online Soulful Birth series. This is a holistic birth and postpartum preparation course, a beautifully curated alternative to mainstream antenatal classes. We hop on a Zoom call together each week for eight weeks and discuss all the juicy and important pieces of birth and postpartum preparation. Self-work is a crucial component of the course and numerous guided meditations and journal prompts are given to you as a member of the Soulful Birth Tribe. It doesn't matter where in the world you are, whether this is your first baby or your tenth, or even whether you're pregnant yet. If you want knowledge and know-how around planning for the birth and postpartum that you deserve, this course is for you. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. Yeah, that's just it. And I think like um, another thing I, I was, I just popped into my head when you said that about like preparing for something like this is like trying to get like in tune with your intuition and your gut feeling. Cause everybody has a gut feeling and whether you, you know, even for little things, like if, if you haven't even thought about this kind of level of responsibility before, you still have that gut feeling and it's going to guide you in certain areas. Even it's going to tell you like, when you feel not good about making a certain decision whether you make that decision or not to yeah it's it's really interesting so that's a, that's another thing to sort of start yeah paying attention to what your body's telling you and then um yeah i think i was i was talking with lisa masters who does um another podcast she's great um but she talks about I think going on like a no diet, <laughs> like not that you have to say no to everything, but you know, but I think like paying attention, sort of observing what your, your, you know, gut is sort of telling you and, and acting on that. And even just starting with like little things like, hmm, do I want to eat right now? We're in like half an hour. Like, do I want to make coffee or tea or like, you know, Maybe you won't get a gut feeling about that, but like little things, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. And and yeah. I, I love that you're talking into this because I think we hear this a lot in, in the, you know, in the alternative birthing communities is you need to trust your instincts. You need to trust your intuition. You need to tune into your body. But for most of us, we've experienced a, a lifetime of conditioning that has said, <laughs> that has taught us to tune out to our body wisdom, that has taught us that the the experts know better than we do what's best for us. So, you know, like intuition is just, it's not, it's not scientific. It's not based on, you know, <laughs> anything other than a bit of like woo-woo-ness, um, which of course is just absolute nonsense. Uh, so when people hear that, it's like all good and well to know that, okay, I need to start trusting my intuition. I need to start, you know, listening to my body messages. But how the fuck do I do that when I've not had any experience of it? So I love that you talk about starting small. And I think I think the first thing is to start noticing. I mean, this is one of the journal prompts I give people who come through my Soulful Birth um, antenatal series is, uh, or, or others who I work with, is, um, you know, getting into the habit of journaling. Journaling is really potent in and of itself um and that's one of the things I ask them to do is to note it to think back to a time when they their intuition was 
spoke to them and they acted on it and how it served them, if, if they can recall any of that. And then to just start noticing and to start, like you said, start start with small things. Start with, yeah, do you know, go to, I'm, I'm going to prepare some lunch now. Actually, do I feel hungry? You know, what's <laughs> yeah. my body wanting and needing at the moment um, is a good example. You know, we get a headache and all our lives we've been told, you know, have some Panadol, get rid of it. Or um, rather than go, okay, this is my body speaking to me. What's the message here? Why have I got a headache? That's how we start tuning into our intuition and our body wisdom, right? It's just, yeah, questioning those things more instead of going to our usual um, patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Like instead of just like slapping the bandaid on and doing, you know, what's normalized and yeah. Yeah. Kind of like trying to get to the root of the issue or whatever. And, and I think also like, of course, starting small takes the pressure off of you know like I mean I feel like maybe what's holding someone back from from you know acting on wanting to do an unassisted birth or birth at home like I feel like that major pressure the people hear about um that like birth is totally intuition led which it totally is but like having the pressure of that being why you're learning your intuition like you can't just jump to that. I don't think yeah. you need to take the pressure off with little things. And then it's like a practice, yeah. an exercise, it's a practice. <laughs> exercising your intuition muscle. <laughs> it totally is. And I like before you saying about, um, you know, exercising your no as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, that, that, that people pleasing that so many of us are way too good at. <laughs> <laughs> um needs to be you know pushed to the curb during our pregnancy uh you know we need to prioritize um our needs uh put ourselves first and our, our ourselves and our babies first um and that means starting to practice you know putting boundaries in place practicing saying no when you don't have the energy or um or desire or willingness to to do what's being asked of you uh yeah questioning things uh where you might have felt uncomfortable to question in the past it's like yep okay I'm noticing that discomfort and I'm going to feel the fear and do it anyway because this is important yeah totally yeah yeah and and it's so it's yeah all of the yeah conditioning and and gaslighting we have been through with even just medical stuff I'm sure like almost everybody I feel like has a story where they go in and something's you know going on but they're kind of just like shoved off and told it's something else and then you know it's it's not something else it can be yeah and then you're sort of fed into that sort of illusion of safety where it's like you know all these like the list of things that they say you must do to make things safer it's yeah it's kind of like lifting the veil on on that and really maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves but <laughs> yeah it's uh it's something that's for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. is there anything else you'd like to add about what sort of radical responsibility means uh, in your mind like how do we take radical responsibility for our births and we've we've already talked a bit about what's important there but is there anything you'd like to add um 
<clears throat> I mean, obviously I'm not like an expert or anything. I've only had one free birth and stuff, but um, yeah, I think it's just um, really kind of knowing where you're at also, I think in your journey and everything and trying to like, I mean, obviously you're not, hopefully nobody's like doing their said birth plan out of ego, but um, kind of like, you know, really keeping it out of your ego and um, yeah, just really keeping it real with yourself, I guess, <laughs> and like being honest with yourself. And um, yeah, no matter what that looks like, like if um, if you feel there is a true need that you want to seek different advice, then that's also acting on your responsibility to yourself and understanding like repercussions of choices too, like not just blindly going the other way and saying, I'm going to do this without any need to look into what happens if I do decide I want help. Like knowing what happens if you do decide to enter the system too is I think probably helpful, but some people don't choose that. And that's again, their choice. So it's, yeah. <laughs> These are great points you raise. Uh, so not having a head in the sand approach and going, okay, I trust my body. I trust birth. Um, I don't need, I don't need to do any more than just that, trust myself and get on birth my baby. Um, that would be a head in the sand approach, right? Because birth is unpredictable. And sometimes, you know, your intuition is telling you that you need to seek out uh, extra advice or support or medical care. Uh, you know, this happens. Um, and also you mentioning about ego. Uh, and I've, I've heard others say that they don't like the kind of... Um, Oh, I, I can't think of the term at the moment, but when free birth is kind of like, it's a, it's an all or nothing thing. It's kind of like this, if, if you don't go the whole hog, then you're not a free birther and you can't, you know, the, this kind of indoctrination around how it has to look if, if you're going to label it that, um, which is really interesting to me as well. But that ego piece, I think, is just so key. I, I, I love that you brought that up around radical responsibility, because, you know, asking yourself the question, why? Why am I, okay, um, why am I not uh, contacting uh, my doctor or a midwife uh, a midwife when my gut is telling me actually something doesn't feel quite right and mm, ah is that my ego is and, and it probably is you know is that my ego going I intended to have a completely wild pregnancy or free birth and um, it feels like a step backwards to be seeking out that extra support so yeah I think that's such a such a an important piece that you mentioned there. Great. Gosh, I'm yeah. loving it. And I, I want to say too, like, obviously, I, I think every mom is only thinking about the health of their baby too. So I don't think, I don't think, I haven't heard of anyone ever doing it out of being stubborn or ego. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I believe people actually do that, but it's just something to self-check in with sometimes, maybe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't think anyone's gonna put their baby in true danger out of ego, but who knows? Yeah, something to think about. <laughs> such a good point. Like, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. As 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 the mama, we more than anybody want a, a, a safe and positive outcome from our birth experience. Um, and so yeah, it's kind of ridiculous to think that we would knowingly do anything um that we believe is putting you know our baby uh, in harm's way um it's just yeah it's completely nonsensical really mm. um, <laughs> gosh and I just think of the number of times that I've heard people say you know where the medical professionals said to them you wouldn't want a dead baby on your hands would you like what the fuck is that question yeah that oh I can't it's even. sickening it's so yeah that's just like yeah there's like a it's like you can't yeah you just can't can't do yeah. that <laughs> you can't do that, can't do that it's brutal it's not information that's just mm. scary yeah yeah anyway. <laughs> my, my next question that I had for you was um what shadow work is required of us to prepare for an autonomous and powerful birth uh you know we again this is something we've already sort of started talking about is there anything else you would you would add what do you mean by shadow work um well okay and, and I didn't come up with this term either I will obviously say that um I heard it from like different people and it just kind of it makes sense to call it like you know the the like mental work of like looking at all the dark parts of things that could happen because like you know life is life and life is you know birth is just as safe as life is so like or unsafe as life is it depends on what you make it so I think it's you know I think it's pretty important to like I don't know I, I have like a little like thing I learned where like it's like three little steps where you can like sort of like examine your fears and I feel like this probably could kind of be shadow work too is like if there's anything you truly feel so scared about like it's hard to even think about and you have such a huge reaction to it it's I think it's really important to like dive into that and really think sort of like um yeah I made a post about it a while back but um the, I think the first thing someone has to do like if they have a really big fear about something is um sort of go back to where they learned that fear like think about where they learned it from who they learned it from um and when like you know what was the situation and sort of like yeah kind of go back to to where you heard it and then and then yeah like think about who you heard it from and and why you know maybe they were in that situation or or even just media like um if you're just getting your information and fear from births you see on <laughs> everything else um yeah it's just important to sort of understand where that's coming from and then I think this is obviously the hardest part but um if you can start kind of try and detach yourself emotionally from that situation and learn about like the normal physiology of birth in a way that like what would happen if that happened to me and what would I want to do and of course it's hard not to be emotionally evolved and still be scared about it but I think it is I don't know I feel like to me that's what shadow work is 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 sort of going through those like worst case scenarios you have for yourself and walking yourself through them and 
yeah, kind of figuring out what your options would be if this happened or that happened and what you would want. And yeah, that's kind of my answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is is part of that uh, exploring what if my baby dies in birth? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it's, you know, sometimes babies die, whether it's malpractice or just, you know, nature being nature you know like it's really interesting I was just thinking the other day like you know we still are just nature and we are still just animals and it, it's interesting that you know obviously we have a different consciousness than animals but it's still very much we're very much like you know nature is very harsh sometimes and it can be really difficult to see you know, like animals losing their babies and all this stuff. And it, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it can be kind of humbling to get back to that idea that like we are still animals and sometimes it just happens for no particular reason. And like, it's it's something that needs to be maybe talked about more instead of just a taboo yes. thing to like talk about like mis even like miscarriages and stuff like that. Like nobody wants to think about a dead baby obviously because it's horrible and there's a huge emotional reaction that happens but I think that's also a society thing you know because big emotions are not productive <laughs> for yeah. society I suppose so it's yes. just not something people are used to talking about or thinking through I guess well and not and not really encouraged to to yeah. work through as well like big emotions um are big <clears throat> because they need to be expressed and when they're expressed and felt often they are released uh, quite to quite a degree so actually going there in our minds um and inviting whatever comes up to come up and come through and and to work through that is this is the work right like <laughs> the yeah. self work yeah Hey podcast listener, I'd love a moment of your time to briefly share with you about the Healing Birth Practitioner training program that I offer. This is an intensive 10-week program held online where I teach you all the skills and knowledge required to be able to effectively and confidently support others to find healing after they've experienced birth trauma. Essentially, I'm teaching you to do the one-on-one -on -one work that I've been doing for the past decade. If you're already a birth worker, I consider this training an essential part of what you need to know to provide truly safe and supportive care. But also this training is for anyone who has an interest in birth trauma support work. If you want to become a certified healing birth practitioner, jump onto my website link in the show notes for more details and get in touch with me to have a chat about whether this course is a good fit for you. The next training commences on October the 9th. Um, I just thought of something that earlier I wanted to uh, add about um, preparation for a free birth. Is there, was there any um, specific scenarios that you felt you wanted to equip yourself with some more knowledge around how to manage them if they were to occur. Like I'm thinking here about maybe um, if your baby needed some resuscitating at birth or if you 
I don't know, had a blood loss that felt too much. Like, were these things or are these things that you would encourage people to do some research into? Or is this like, no, if something needs to happen, then we call the ambulance and, you know, that's the next best step? Um, I think, again, it helped so much listening to, like, literally, like, hundreds of birth stories of people um, who have had issues like that. And, you know, issues that are, like, you know, variations of normal um, that I hadn't really even thought about before. Like, when I decided we would be doing it at home, like, I, there was nothing that jumped into my head that was like, oh, what if this happens or what if that happens? Like, I didn't have any fears personally really but it also yeah helped listening to a huge amount of different um stories where people like say yeah like um it it helped me learn about how protective and undisturbed birth can be and third stage like that window between like baby's out placenta's not out yet like the the placenta birth too um it can be so protective if you are able to create the right environment for yourself. So I, I think I learned a lot about that too. So I, I didn't really have any fears um, as far as like say resuscitation and stuff. Like I, I knew for sure at that point um, that like, obviously, you know, you wanna keep the placenta attached as long as possible. There was a story I listened to where, I'm not saying this would happen all the time or every time, but it was very interesting. You know, the baby was born not breathing for many 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 minutes EMS was called like I think I think they kept I think she kept the placenta attached I can't remember but even yeah like on the on the hospital the way to the hospital it started breathing and coming too like it was so I don't know I'm not saying it's like something that would happen for everyone but just those little things in your mind that like I don't know like it just helped me kind of think about the situations more I guess um and also like obviously if if I felt I needed to give breaths or do infant CPR I'm also I'm a trained lifeguard as well so (laughs) I have CPR training and stuff like I wouldn't like and my my partner um was as well so like we both know that um I wasn't really concerned about myself like I I've never had like low iron or like troubles that way and um looking back at the pictures I did, it looks like I bled quite a lot um, in my free birth, but I totally felt fine too. Yeah, I think it's it's different for everyone. Um, you've got to just sort of, again, be in tune with yourself. And again, yeah, yeah if, if something I felt didn't feel right, I, I would probably have just had us driven to the hospital because we live like three minutes away from the hospital here. Um, or yeah, call an ambulance if you're really out of ideas and you need, you know, you need like major, if there's like a major medical problem, of course, I would have, you know, called an ambulance, but yeah. I like that you raised, you talked about the protective nature of undisturbed birth. This is something that would come as a real surprise to a lot of people, uh, that that could be the case but that's again that conditioning or it's not even conditioning it's just what we learn with having such a medical over medicalized birth culture is 
that hemorrhages are common and pro you know problems with the baby when they're first born are common and uh, and yes they are but it's not because birth is unsafe it's because of the interventions that are happening that are which are done in the name of safety that are actually causing the problems most of the time and this is what I've learned about birth trauma is that the the massive majority of of birth trauma that I hear about in my work is avoidable is caused by just that you know a system that doesn't understand um how safe birth is and how how much harm can be done by messing with our physiology uh so yeah I yeah I've never heard it put like that but yes the protective nature of um understood birthing you're unlikely to strike those um, emergency sort of situations or those those uh, you know those dangerous situations and nearly so much as you might mm -hmm. think compared yeah. to what you're the stories you're hearing out there yeah yeah and I think that's another thing too like with um you know like just looking at the statistics of things and like saying like oh the, the risk of hemorrhage is this high and the risk of needing resuscitation is this high. you're not you're not hearing the whole story yeah when you yeah. hear the whole story you can be like oh probably because of this or probably because of that or like you know probably because there's lots of reasons you can pick out to know why certain situations come up like it doesn't take that much effort to understand like why these things happen so commonly in certain places mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting, again, why I think stories are better than statistics, because you don't get the full story with just numbers, yes. like you don't, you yeah. don't get, you just get the result and it doesn't tell you how many people were in the room or if she was really stressed out or if they cut the cord right away and then baby needed resuscitating or like they pulled on the placenta and then she hemorrhaged, like all this really basic stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. In, in one of your Instagram posts, you say birth interventions begin even before pregnancy. Yeah. What do you mean by this? Um, yeah, I think sort of it has to do, I think, with like the conditioning again, with um, how we're sort of in most societies these days raised to be, you know, gaslighting our our true desires, our emotions, our wants and stuff, our feelings, and, um, you know, doing what's easier for other people most of the time. And then also having the projections of whoever around you, whether it's good things or bad things or birth trauma stories, you know, like it's all going to influence what you think you're going to do for yourself in the future. Like you're, you kind of, I feel like maybe not everyone, but like, as soon as you get pregnant, you've already had subconsciously all of this stuff going on in your mind that you've heard about the whole journey of it. And you kind of are going to go off of what you've heard to like, make your next steps. Like just, I feel like subconsciously, that's what happens. You know, like everyone just makes a doctor's appointment when you get a pregnancy a positive pregnancy test like you got to do it because that's we what even everyone do does the pregnancy test in the first place if you even 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that too, like maybe you're influenced another way. I think, yeah, influence has a lot to do with that. I mean, it does because we're humans and that's our life, but um, it's just interesting to, to think about, I think like what, what are you consuming? Not like, you know, eating, but like in your mind, what kind of diet do you have around like birth mindset stuff even before you get pregnant? Because that's going to play a huge role, I think, in what you decide and like everything. Yeah. How you mother and all of it, it just, it plays a huge role and you can either like go along with it or, or not. There's yeah. the option to like become aware of things and um, choose your own path too, I guess. Yeah. 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 Free birth is a pretty massive leap for a lot of people. And um, so for somebody who's choosing to birth within the system, uh, what questions would you say are important for them to ask of their care provider uh, to increase the likelihood that they're going to be supported in the ways that they need to be to, to yeah, to have a less disturbed birth? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think it depends on the person and where they're at and what they want. I mean, maybe they they don't think they want like a super undisturbed sort of pathway. Maybe, I don't know. I think it depends on the person. It's subjective, but I actually made a, um, like a guide um, called conversations with your provider. And it goes through so many questions <laughs> that are all like, there's general ones. There's ones that are midwife specific or OB specific. And it goes through like, if you want to, you know, if something, if you think you want to change providers, like how to go about that. But anyways, like, I think a few of the like general important ones, um, you know, like regardless of what your goals are for your birth um, and just some precursors, like I feel like one tip before even interviewing, and that's what it is. You want to interview the providers you think you want so I, I know that's harder in a small town like me there's only like a handful to choose from if that um yeah. but if you have more choices you really need to think about it as like interviewing someone who's best for you and like having them prove to you why they you should choose them instead of it the other way around because it feels like it's the other way around because of course you said like an authority figure like mm -hmm. yeah so I think kind of getting in the mindset of like you need to choose who you think is best and you never like want to make an assumption about what their biases are you know like even if you know them as a friend or something like um yeah not assuming you know their bias towards birth and sort of their belief about it is good um are there a couple of a couple of key questions that help you to like I, I know there would be so many you know midwives who would say yes I'm a a hands-off midwife like I don't believe in unnecessary interventions um and then but they're just completely unaware of the things that they're doing that are interventions and that you know <laughs> <laughs> go against physiology um or supporting autonomy um so are there any kind of any good juicy questions that help us determine the degree I guess of of uh of how handsy they are <laughs> yeah yeah 
<laughs> um, I think another, uh, just before I go into it, like I actually need to find um, what I was going to answer that with, but oh, asking like open-ended questions instead of like yes or no questions mm. is good too. It can be kind of a tell because if you start to hear them talk about it, you might get a good idea of how I, they. I like one, which is what routine um, procedures do you, you know, perform yeah. in, in pregnant and in, in antenatal care and in, and, and in birth uh, because in theory there shouldn't really be anything that's routinely done um, or if it is um, uh, that they're open to you saying actually I'm I don't want to have my blood pressure taken each time we see each other or I don't want the baby's heartbeat listened to with a Doppler or what you know whatever um, but certainly when it comes to vaginal examinations, I think about that one. You know, do you do totally. any routine vaginal examinations? And if the answer yeah. is yes to that, that's a pretty big, you yeah. know, red light in my mind. Yeah, totally, totally. I totally agree. Um, I think like some of the ones I have on my guide are like also like you know, what's the likelihood that you're going to attend my birth? Because a lot of the time people don't realize that it's actually a, a like a rotation of, of people and, and someone you're seeing now who you're talking to that you might be really vibing with cool. better. Yeah. You might really not get them at all. You might get a stranger instead of that person. So I feel like that one's good to, to talk about um, and know like your, your odds of them actually being there with you is good. Um, yeah, and like what medical treatments or monitoring do you regularly use and what what routines do you regularly do for all like labor and birth? Like what are the routines in your routine, I guess, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, getting them to answer something like that, I think. Um, I think a good one would be uh, as well. Um, what if we discovered my baby was breached during labor? Yeah. How, yeah. you know? How would you react? Yeah. How would you react? What What would be your typical way of managing that scenario? Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's a very telling one for sure. Cause it kind of, I mean, in many hospitals, at least uh, in so few hospitals now uh, support breach. Birth, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think like another good one is like, you know, what do you think of um, the routine use of, of, you know, yeah, the routine of anything. I feel like when something's routine, it can become dangerous. I read that somewhere and I was like, dude, yeah, exactly. Like Pitocin or, um, you know, even IV fluids. Like what is, what do you, mm. yeah. What is your views on using those for everybody? Like, mm. yeah. Um, there's some, some juicier questions. I really love that. I was listening to another podcast and, um, it was an interview with Freya Kellett. I don't know if you've heard of her. Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, she's pretty like radical. Um, yeah. But there are some questions. There was like a ten questions to ask your midwife. So I, again, these might not align with everybody, like just new to everything. But I also think they're important to think about. But um, um, one of them I really like was like, how do you manage your own energy and fears while witnessing a birth, and like what scares you about birth? I feel like. Yeah. That was kind of huge, but like, yeah, interesting yeah. one to ask. I can't. Yeah, I wish I had these questions when I was. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> you know. <a> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think another big one, and maybe we're getting like too heady and stuff into it, but like, um, you know, what is, you know, your relationship with death and like, how do you, and that, that's another, like a bit of a deeper, like more of a shadow work type thing. But I think it's interesting, like, you know, everyone's got a certain, again, reaction to something happening and, and you got to know if, if something does happen, which it, it commonly does um, in systems, how, what kind of reaction you're going to be dealing with and like how you're going to be treated and everything. But I know that one's a little bit, it's a bit of a deep one. <laughs> um, I could throw, that could throw a few care providers. <laughs> it could definitely, yeah, I'd be like, well, wait, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> it's a bit crazy, but um, yeah. Another one I like is if like, um, if I don't want any exams or um, heart rate taken or, or Doppler or anything, um after you ask like if I say no after you ask month ask once will you like respect that no or keep asking me or you know keep prodding like will one no be enough or do you often keep offering after the first no because that's that's what happens like every everywhere every time I've seen it it's just like they say no they ask again they ask again they ask again they different angle different angle here like quite interesting and then it wears you down yeah uh, <laughs> it's very yeah I like, yeah. So I, um, like I was gonna say I like how would you how will you support my autonomy and yes. pregnancy and birth yeah and labor and birth how will you and what what do they come up with <laughs> you know like I like that idea of the open-ended questions more than the Yes, yes, I would accept it once. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, so true. What are they going to come <clears throat> up with? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think another one was like, yeah, the, like how, what do you see, how, how do you see your role in like my birth? And, mm. you know, who is, you know, yeah, who is like, I think the autonomy for sure plays into that, you know, like it, do you see, yeah, well, I mean, just let them answer and see. I'm, I, th I feel like many would sort of take on that authoritative, you know, thing. But you never know. It's an interesting question. And then, yeah, like, how are you going to support my autonomy in in my birth and support my decisions to be informed? Yeah. And, you know, not just ask me in the moment and shove a paper in my face and tell me a couple little things that are mostly the benefits of mm. a certain procedure before you just kind of steamroll and do them yeah yeah that's a big one and it's interesting like I feel like many I feel like you have to be in a certain place to even bring up these certain questions in prenatal appointments because it's very confronting I feel like for some mm. people mm. it can be a little bit like confronting and intimidating and like you know you want to stay in like your good girl mode and not cause a kerfuffle <laughs> I, I know I yeah. felt that way and that's that's a huge reason I chose not to go to the hospital too was that I knew if I was around other people I would start people pleasing for sure like even after all the work I'd done it, it yeah yeah I feel like it's just even yeah for me still I, I recognize that I still do it sometimes even just everyday life type stuff it's very interesting how it just pops out and and I feel like when you're in a very vulnerable situation it it's very present for sure mm -hmm. yeah 
yeah, those are a few of the questions I like. And um, yeah, another one, the last one I think I really liked was like, um, how do you protect the sacred halo immediately after birth? And how do you approach the placenta birth? Like the third stage, how do you approach or support like placenta birth? Because I, I feel like that. that's what I, love I that. get about. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into like, yeah. I feel like, of course, when, you know, when you're in a system, it's very like, you know, science based, even though, I mean, let's be real here, none of the routine procedures for a laboring woman are based on much evidence at all. So there's that um, yeah. kind of going against the actual science there. But um, yeah, there's there's not much space, I feel like, for like the actual, like, I don't know, I, I want to say spiritual, but like the mental, the psychological part, yeah. not just the physical part. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I know there's unicorns out there for sure still, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just not very many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really aware that um, I told you the interview would be about an hour long and then we've gone a bit over time, but I, if, <laughs> if you do have time, I would love to um, ask you the last couple of questions on my list. How are you going? Yeah, no, we're good. We're yeah, good? No okay, great. Because <laughs> cool, I'm just, this is awesome. Um, <laughs> So what do you believe is the root cause of birth being traumatic for so many people? Mm, yeah, I think it, I think it definitely just comes down to like a loss of power, kind of, you know, that loss, that feeling of like loss of autonomy. Yeah, loss of power over your body or your baby too, like feeling powerless to be of any help to your baby or comfort or in that sense and then yeah of course nobody and in any situation a loss of power to your own self and body can be traumatic for sure I think that's for sure where it where it stems from you know a lack of or like a even like a autonomy autonomy being kind of stolen and your birth being kind of sabotaged that way and and lots of people don't realize that or recognize it until like maybe never but also like years later and it's mm. yeah I feel like it, it you know the usual it can go a few different ways but like you know you either get like trauma bonded and and definitely become a very dependent on like needing that outsourcing or you can be like this is fucked up <laughs> it's yeah so true yeah but yeah, I think that's obviously that I think that's definitely the root of it. And I and it, you know, it kind of is something that I think that builds very slowly too, maybe during during like pregnancy and everything. Um, but then again, even if you are super educated and choosing to birth in the system, you know it can be super shitty. It can still depend on on who's there that day, who had a bad day, who needs to get home for certain things. Like, you know, it, you're kind of still at the mercy a little bit of, of other people who are in that like authority type mm. um, position. And then everyone else is complacent too, or, or um, complicit to certain things happening. So like, you know, you hear stories of, of women having pretty major 
like sexual abuse happening to them in any other setting, it would be horribly a violation of, of every right. But I think even when a partner is standing there and all the people around are just like, yeah, this is fine. Like whatever is, is just normal. Like it's very normalized. And, and that part too, it's like, I think it can be quite gaslighting into like, okay, so it's just a me problem then, you know, like you're having this major traumatic moment that maybe you don't realize it was until afterwards. But I think a lot of it could be like the reaction from other people Yeah, there is such a normalizing of the obstetric violence is taking place uh, in the maternity system. And like like you said, in any other setting, it would be completely seen for what it is. And, uh, you know, and there would be severe consequences for the perpetrator of that abuse. But somehow when it comes to women giving birth, all those rules and mores go out the window you know there is uh, it's it's like yeah she's it's like a belief system really it comes down to where you know the the people who were who are gone who've gone to school you know in the medical system to learn about this stuff like they they truly believe what they're doing is is helping and that's so i think blinding to what like real life normal life is outside of that I don't know it's yeah it's crazy yeah and and we do we do become uh like numbed right to what we see a lot of so whilst initially as a you know a student midwife who's attending their you know first births in the hospital was a bit shocked perhaps by what she's seeing she sees enough of it, it starts to become normalized and uh, and I would say the same as goes for the um obstetricians or the the way that we cope is by numbing ourselves so we can't continue to show up for work every day if we're going to get feel all um uptight or upset about you know the the level of pain that woman was in when you know I was manually removing her placenta without her having any pain relief you know whatever like there's just so many scenarios where I really do think that um those health professionals have yeah they've numbed themselves it's kind of like they've become blind to actually the reality of what they're doing um or witnessing and and it and then it becomes so normalized like you said earlier uh so people leave the birth space really holding on to this belief that uh it was just as well I was in the hospital so that the professionals could you know rescue my baby from my faulty body uh and oh, it was horrible, it was awful, but it could have been so much worse. And thank goodness, you know, I've got a healthy baby. You're like, um, yeah, they're my saviors. Yeah, um, they're like, you yeah. know, I would have died if we were at home type. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. To yeah. yeah, so sad. Yes. Yeah, and I think it does have to do with like, you know, a lot of their training too. Like I was listening to a few other podcasts about, um, you know, um, former obstetricians and stuff talking about their their medical training and they're very 
it's interesting. I don't know if it's everywhere, but um, I think these were in the States, but they're very, you know, like we're overworked, um, sleep deprived. It's kind of like a very like mind numbing, just do it. You got to do it the way your overseeing doctor is doing it or else you're not going to get your little check mark. So you just got to do it and then, or else you won't get your license and stuff like that. It's very like, very mind numbing and kind of scary when you think about that, you know, they're being trained so hard and I don't know. I don't know if brainwashed is the word, but like kind of into that mindset of like these, these people are just numbers. You got to do this with them and then get in and get out type thing. Cause we got more to do type. Yeah. And sad. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, the, the autonomy of, of, I think providers themselves too can be in question because they're just mm-hmm. used to pleasing this imaginary system thing that's set up as well right like it's so weird like where does it end I don't know like yeah I don't know who are we trying to please anymore like it's so weird to think about yeah it's true it's true yeah but, I, was, I mean I was just thinking this morning that I'd really love to contact um a friend of mine in the last from the last city I used to live in um who is an obstetrician who was one of those rare breeds who she's a home birther herself and she's just amazing you know like how how she and I've just always been so intrigued with how how did she work within that culture and like survive like do it (laughs) um you know do it so differently and um, I would love to get here on the podcast. And, and I would she- love to hear that. You've got yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I've got to do that. I'm always so interested. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would sure. be so good for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Last question. How do you okay. believe we can be stem the tide of growing birth interventions and change the culture of birth from one of fear to one of empowerment? It's a massive question. I get that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. Um, I don't know. Right now, I feel like I don't know. I I go back and forth between like sometimes seeing little things that are you know within system births that I'm like, oh, is it is it changing? Like, are they realizing things? Like, are are things actually changing? And then you know, I get kind of lambasted with a bunch of other stuff. It's like, no, it's not, I don't know. At this point, I feel like I go back and forth, but I I don't know if the system right now is going to change at least fast enough to like curb the the amount of of families being affected by it. So I feel like the only, I don't know. I feel like from what I know, the, the only way to like, kind of like save yourself from it um is yeah doing the hard work and um kind of understanding and educating yourself not just about you know don't turn into a midwife or an OB you don't have to become this like super schooled person just like you know get real with yourself where are you at um you know try and start developing your autonomy in everyday life with things and and kind of just educate yourself about yeah how this system is actually operating and sort of you know not going in totally blind um and then coming out totally traumatized you know yeah I feel like the the 
I don't know. I feel like lots of people who have been working in the system um, and can't tolerate it tend to leave it and work outside of it. So I think there's, I don't want to call it a system, but I guess like, you know, a network of, of people out there that people can also find to support them in the ways they want to be supported and treat them like full human beings and have like, you know, have the time to put into that instead of um, just entering the system and hopping on the the conveyor belt. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, the, the, the only way you can empower yourself is to realize your own power because it's always there you just have to kind of make that switch in your mind to be like oh I could choose to do this or that right now instead of thinking yeah going from like the have to to choosing to I feel like it's a big mindset thing for sure (laughs) yeah yeah and also like even the word like empowering I feel like a lot of people say it and I it can mean like I think a couple things where like you know you can empower yourself to make different choices and give yourself the power um of yeah of a really amazing experience I think some people take that word as like you know others giving them their power back like you know like that midwife was so empowering or like you know I that always gets me I can't I can't (laughs) use it very often (laughs) but like you know it's it's just a funny it's a funny word you can have like a very powerful experience um without you know feeling like someone had to give that power to you like you always have it it's just you just need to kind of dream it kind of yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's interesting what you say about the word empowering. Uh, Like I use that word a lot and I use it in the the, uh, former context that you described, which is that we empower ourselves. Like we realize our own power. That's an empowering birth, for instance. Um, I would use it in that sense. Um, But back when I was a, 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 a midwife or almost, had almost graduated and I mean, this is like half my life ago, more than half my life ago now. So it was a long time ago. And I was a young, I was like 21, 22 when I had to write my philosophy of midwifery care was I remember it was like one of the last assignments we had to do. And I'd heard a lot of people talking about how, you know, if if you read up their their little pieces um, of information um like advertising their midwifery practice or whatever they they say you know I believe in empowering my clients to have positive births or whatever and it, it really grated on me and I'm like I I know what they mean but the power dynamic is wrong there and yeah. so I was like I want to support people to empower themselves in birth, you know, like that was my, how I shifted it to mean what I'm sure that they meant. But language is so powerful, right? Like it's so key to um, to so much of what we've been talking about this morning, um, this afternoon for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just, it's cool that you brought that up. I know yeah. that word is triggering for a lot of people and I'm mindful of that every time I use it. <laughs> so it's nice to have an opportunity to explain myself. <laughs> no, I get that for sure. And like, yeah, I don't know. 
yeah, learning the language, like you said, is so, so interesting. It's been a really interesting journey for me. And, and it, yeah, it can give us a lot of power. We can power ourselves. I love that. That's, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, it can, like any word, it can kind of be misused and misleading, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the same with healing. Like, I struggle to call myself a healer because I'm not the healer. The person heals themselves. I'm just the guide for them to find their own healing or their own power, you know? Uh, so, yeah, same same idea there. Um, but, yes, language is powerful. So we do need to be really mindful of how we, how we use it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I agree. Oh. Hey, this has been awesome. I, I know you've mentioned a couple of things. I wanted to come back to you. You said you shared your story on uh, the Normal Boring Free Birth podcast. Is that your own podcast or is that somebody else? Um, no, so, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a podcast that um, the two women who do it are called, um, it's Victoria and Leonie. Um, oh, I met so them on. <laughs> so funny. I'm, I'm interviewing Victoria. You oh, yeah. Victoria on uh, free to birth, yeah, on um on Monday. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew so I'd very... heard the name and I didn't know whether it was from looking through your work or looking through her work. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, she's great. Her and Leonie are so cool. So yeah, that was the first first podcast I'd ever like officially been on. It was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, normal, normal, boring, free birth. Sorry, they do that one together, and it's it's also got some amazing stories. I feel like there's there's lots of you know podcasts out there now that have really cool birth stories for people looking. But yeah, yeah, there are. Um, but what do you offer? Because you've mentioned a couple of things, resources that you've made, and I, I I'm sure it was yours that I saw some beautiful birth affirmation cards that you'd produced yes yes yeah, yeah I know I need what, to yeah what yeah. what's available um yeah so right now I um yeah I have I did make some really cool um yeah birth affirmation cards I have like 20 different ones um all of these offers I have like on my in my bio on my on my Instagram um so yeah I have like a little website where I sell the cards out of and um, I also have some stickers that I made. Um, one of them says my flex is free birthing and another one is my flex is my autonomous birth. <laughs> I thought they were kind of cheeky. So I, I wanted one, so I made more <laughs> for people. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, oh, and then I also have, um, I have a free like guide. Um, I called it like the guide to like finding your why because I feel like that's sort of at the base of everything sort of it takes you through some like questions for yourself um to sort of answer and get like an idea of of where you're at and yeah kind of um it, it gives you like a little um a little quick like five minute writing exercise and then helps you sort of pare down what you came up with to sort of yeah just help help you decide like why you're choosing what you're choosing like say you're going you've decided you're going to go to the hospital you haven't really thought about it but like this is to get to that root of like why you think that's a good choice for you so yeah I have that um and yeah you can just obviously find it on my in my bio link and I also have the the longer guide um the conversations with your provider guide it's about 20 pages and it's full of of all the questions 
you can ask um, and kind of like scenarios that may come up um, to sort of help you to help guide you through. There's also like, you know, a little like how to recognize red flags for you and how to like change providers if you feel like you need to do that. And like, yeah, it's just sort of like a bit of an overview of of how to navigate, I suppose. <laughs> Beautiful. Those yeah. are amazing offerings. <laughs> Thank you. I one of my um I'd like to work on more is sort of like the I don't know. I feel a little icky about like the advertising thing, but sort of um yeah, like inviting people to know about them a little bit more but I, I find it challenging to do that yeah um, well good I'm pleased I asked look at you promoting thank you. Your resources. <laughs> thank you. yeah, promoting is the right word promoting I need I, I like to I'd like to work on my promotions for sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you and I'll put your um link to your Instagram page you don't have a website I don't have a website right now. No. Okay. No. But people can go to your bio um, of your Instagram page and and find the resources there, which is yeah. awesome. Okay. Wow. <laughs> this has been epic. I've loved it so much. Yeah. Me too. Thank you so much. I feel like I just want to call you and chat about things sometimes. <laughs> we don't have to record. We can just have a chat. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm here for it. I love you know. <laughs> Talking birth is my, it's, it's my thing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Super appreciate it. It was so nice to, yeah, connect. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Thank you. If you enjoyed that episode, please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others and ensuring you subscribe and hit that five-star review. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can get hold of me via Instagram at healing.birth and through my website, healingbirth.co.nz. I would love to hear from you, whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions, or because you're potentially interested in healing with me, or training with me to become a healing birth practitioner. Let's do it. Aroha nui, you beautiful people.